When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new mystery books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 85, and we're recording on Tuesday, September 8th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you doing on this surprisingly fall-like evening? I know. I was just thinking about how like happy I am about the weather today. Like This is my ideal weather situation of like... Highs in the high 60s, low 70s, rainy, overcast. I'm wearing a hoodie. It makes me so happy. (laughs) I know. And it's so surprising because it was like, what, last week where it was in the 90s and so hot you didn't even want to think about going outside. And now it's actually seasonably cool. Yeah. I feel like this is just like a teaser of like, hey, we're in September now in case everyone keeps like forgetting that we are progressing along in the year. As a reminder, fall is coming, which uh, I'm here for this. So this makes me so much happier than the 90 degree weather we were having like a week or two ago. Yeah, that that was pretty miserable. And yeah, I am enjoying the sweatshirt weather because yeah, for my birthday, Blaine got me a sweatshirt that says Mulder, it's me on it from the (laughs) X-Files. And I love this sweatshirt so much. And I haven't had a chance to actually wear it because it's been so unbelievably hot this summer. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually wear this outside while I'm running errands and not feel like I'm going to die. So this was this was my sweatshirt's first actual like public debut. And I'm very excited. I just love that idea of a sweatshirt having a public debut. So, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this sweatshirt, uh, like, this was one of those things that I had mentioned, like, someone was wearing it on Twitter, and they had a photo of them wearing this sweatshirt, and I just randomly pointed out to Blaine, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this sweatshirt, that is so cool. And then I immediately forgot about it. And when it came time for my birthday, he looked up where he could find the sweatshirt and ordered it for me. And I'm like, oh, you're good. Yeah, that's a good partner move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah, he's very good with the gift giving. But that one really surprised me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love it so much. So, yep, got my got my Mulder sweatshirt on. And I, I am just happy as a clam right now. <laughs> All right, so before we jump into the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is Sourcebooks, who have published Before She Was Helen by Carolyn B. Cooney. 
Clementine Clemmy Lakefield leads a simple life in her retirement community in Sun City, South Carolina. She plays cards, substitute teaches, and has learned to text with her niece and nephew. But Clemmy is not who she says she is. Behind her carefree facade, she's hiding a lifetime of secrets. When Clemmy's curmudgeonly neighbor goes missing, Clemmy suddenly finds herself thrust into the spotlight at the center of a dangerous conspiracy. So this is a new book from bestselling author Carolyn B. Cooney. If that name sounds familiar, uh, you're probably recognizing it because she's the author of the young adult mystery, The Face on the Milk Carton, which I feel like was everywhere. I don't know if it still is everywhere, but I felt like I could not escape the book when I was growing up. Um, so she's an international bestselling author. She sold more than 50 million books worldwide. This is actually an adult mystery book. And this is, you know, kind of like the perfect opportunity for many of us who may have grown up reading The Face on the Milk Carton to possibly revisit a favorite author. Before She Was Helen is a mystery, but it also has like a funnier side to it. The story blends darker moments with humorous situations. And also Clemmy is an older protagonist and it's set in a retirement village, which helps add to the charm. And so if you enjoy books with older protagonists as well, this could be up your alley. So again, that is Before She Was Helen by Carolyn B. Cooney. And thanks so much to Sourcebooks for sponsoring this episode. All right. So before we jump into the episode, just want to give a welcome to all of our longtime and new listeners. We thank you so much every two weeks for tuning in again to our show. We just love that so many of you have come with us through 85 episodes. We are getting close to our 100th episode. I mean, it's every two weeks, so it's going to be a little bit longer, but still, I cannot believe we put out 85 episodes. So if you have listened to our show for a while, you know that this is the part of the show where we always put out an invitation to our listeners to hit us up if you have any suggestions for future episode ideas. So if it falls under that mystery, suspense, true crime umbrella, we would love to hear your ideas for what we you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We've gotten so many emails from listeners over the months and years that we've been doing this podcast. We've been getting a lot of suggestions recently. You all have come up with some really fantastic ideas for future shows. This episode is brought to you by a listener suggestion, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But if you have any ideas for things that you'd like us to talk about, whether it's news items, movie adaptations, if you're looking for a read-alike for a particular author, if you're interested in a subgenre that we haven't really talked about much on the show or that you're unfamiliar with, or whether it's something like finding Native American mystery writers or whatever the case may be, if you have an idea, let us know. We will have our contact information at the end of the show, but we always put out a call at the beginning just to get those gears turning while you're listening to the episode. And with that, let's go ahead and let's jump into our news segment. You want to kick us off with that, Rinsey? Sure. So first up, uh, it's been announced that Steph Cha is going to be the new series editor for the Best American Mystery Stories, which is apparently going to be rebranded as uh, the Best American Mystery and Suspense Stories. So if you aren't aware, this is an anthology series that comes out every year. And there are like different anthologies for different genres. So there's like the best American essays and the best American food writing, I think is one and like short stories and things like that. And so they have different editors. 
And so Steph Cha is going to be the new series editor. And so when I first like saw this news, I was kind of excited because I was like, oh, this is cool. Steph Cha is going to do one of them, but she's not the guest editor, which I realized is different. Uh, she's like the permanent editor who will be working with a different guest editor each year because for all of these anthologies, they have a rotating guest editor who helps curate the stories that get put into the anthology. So this is fantastic. If you aren't aware, Steph Cha wrote the book, Your House Will Pay, which came out last year and was freaking fantastic. And she's also written a couple of other mystery books as well. Um, and she has experience like editing and curating mystery stories. She's worked for the Los Angeles Review of Books and like written for a bunch of different organizations and stuff like that. So I'm super excited to see just sort of like what stories get picked up in these anthologies. And if you weren't aware of them before, these anthologies are actually pretty cool to check out. Um, I know I like just randomly picking them up and like reading a couple of stories from them. And it's a good way to kind of expand your own reading horizons. If you enjoy a certain genre, you might find a new or different author to uh, check out. So uh, con congratulations to Steph Cha on that. And we look forward to seeing uh, what she does with these anthology series. All right. And then to kick off <laughs> the adaptation news, because there's always a ton of adaptation news going on. HBO has announced that they are going to be doing a series adaptation of the Michael Crichton novel Sphere, which I am so excited about because I love Michael Crichton. I grew up reading his books in middle school. Like those were the first adult books I read. He has always had a very special place in my heart. And if I had to pick a second favorite novel of his after Jurassic Park, it would probably be Sphere. I love that book. And HBO adapted Westworld, which or the original Westworld movie, uh, the screenplay, I believe, was written by Michael Crichton. So they've got some they've got some history with with his work. And so with the success of the Westworld TV series, they decided that they wanted to adapt Sphere. And they got Denise Tay from Westworld. She wrote and produced on the show. And they got her as a showrunner for Sphere. And they don't have a they don't have any details like about who's going to be in the series or how much it may or may not deviate from the plot of the original book. So just as a really brief synopsis, the plot of Sphere involves the U.S. Navy discovering a spacecraft on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and sends a team down there to figure out what's going on with the spaceship, how did it get there, who's piloting it, that kind of a thing. And they found out that the spaceship has been down there for more than 350 years. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. And then the team encounters a very, very interesting alien presence on the ship that basically help, that basically manifests their fears in reality. It's a, it's a very mind-trippy kind of book. And I love the book. The, there was a movie adaptation in 98, which you may have seen. Not many people really liked it. <laughs> myself included, it was not that good. So hopefully the TV series will do better. And as we have more news about that, we'll for sure let people know. But if you like science fiction mixed with your thrillers, if you're a fan of Michael Crichton, I think there's a lot to be excited about here. So very, very excited that once that actually becomes a show, that'll probably be time for Blaine and I to re-up our HBO subscription. Because <laughs> we keep canceling it every time we want to see a series, and then the series finishes, we cancel it, and then we and then we re-up it again when a new show comes out. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the best way to deal with HBO. <laughs> 
Or all of these subscription services, like, all right, I want to watch it for this one series. Once that's over, we'll cancel it, and then we'll re-up it once it, once something new comes out. Yeah, there's just too many to keep up with. You have to get through a rotating system or something like that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right, and speaking of there being too many streaming services, um, apparently there's going to be a reboot of the series Pretty Little Liars. Now, this is in like very, very early stages of development, but it apparently is being developed by Warner Brothers. And Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is behind developing this reboot. And his name, if it sounds familiar at all, he was part of like the Riverdale reboot and things like that. The reason why I made my comment about there being too many streaming services is because like this show was just made into a TV show and it ended in 2017. It says in here, after seven seasons and more than 150 episodes. Uh, so I know a lot of people who really enjoyed Pretty Little Liars, both the young adult series and the TV show itself, even though it was like, you know, really over the top and crazy and stuff like that. But it feels really soon for there to be another adaptation of it. It's been, you know, only three years since it finished. And also there's like, again, very little information out there, but they're saying that most likely if this ends up going through full development and getting picked up, it'll probably end up on HBO Max. So like one of the comparisons is just that like HBO Max is also currently prepping a sequel series to Gossip Girl. So this could be like kind of like a packaging of like those types of like teen mystery dramas shows going together. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm would never watch it because I didn't uh, get into the Pretty Little Liar series, but it would be intriguing to see like what they're going to do because again, the show just ended and so they can't really do the same sort of mysteries uh, unless they're just following like brand new characters or something like that and they're starting all over again. But also I have the same questions about the Gossip Girl series. So we'll see what happens. This is what happens when there's like 5 million streaming services and they all need to create content to get you to give them their money. So if you are a fan of Pretty Little Liars, there may be a new adaptation coming to HBO Max. All right. And then speaking of streaming services, the movie version of I'm Thinking of Ending Things is now available on Netflix. And there is a trailer for it if you want to watch the trailer before deciding to give over an hour and a half of your life to Netflix. And I wanted to mention this because I did read the book version by Ian Reid a couple of years ago. And this, this book is trippy. Like, this is very mess with your head kind of literary psychological suspense. And I really enjoyed it. I definitely think for me, I would need to reread the book before I watch the film on Netflix. Apparently, I've also heard that, that there have been people who have just kind of been putting on the film version on Netflix, not realizing what it's about. And then they're just like, what is going on here? So, I'm I'm also interested to to watch it because of that and kind of imagine like what would it be you know if I wasn't familiar with the plot of the book. So with this story, I do think it's best to go in pretty blind to what the actual plot is, but in a very general sense, the plot follows a young woman who's in the early stages of a relationship with her boyfriend. They've been dating like six months or something like that. But she agrees to take a road trip with him to meet his parents. And things just get weird and dark. 
And the movie is starring Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons in the two main roles, but it's also starring Tony Collette and David Thewlis as the boyfriend's parents, which to me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So I also want to watch it for, for that casting alone. But yeah, so the trailer is out if you are like many people who want to watch a trailer before deciding what you want to watch. If you're like me and prefer to just kind of get a general sense and go in blind, you can do that as well because it it is out on Netflix. But we'll have a link to that trailer in the show notes if you want to take a look. All right. And then with that, let's let's go ahead and jump into the main part of our episode, which is social media and technology, which, like I mentioned at the top of the show, was suggested by one of our listeners because so many mysteries and psychological suspense novels nowadays feature technology and social media in a very prominent way that makes up a large portion of the plot, which makes sense because technology is just everywhere in our day-to-day lives. So it makes sense that it's going to be featured prominently in the books that we read. And Rincy, I will let you kick this off because I am so interested to hear what you thought of this book, because I read it a few years ago, and I really loved it. So I'm interested to hear your take. Yeah, so the book I'm going to be talking about is Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. This is a young adult book. And I picked this up a little while ago, because it's funny, I was guest hosting on the Get Booked podcast, which is, if you aren't aware, another book right podcast. And someone wrote in basically saying like they wanted book recommendations because they miss Mr. Robot, the TV show. And so they were basically looking for like cyber thriller type of books. And so I read this book for that. And this book, I really enjoyed it overall as well. There's a couple of things that I'll like quibble about, but we'll get into that in a second. So like I said, this is a young adult thriller. You are following this character named Marcus, who's 17 years old, and he's basically like this hacker. Uh, He lives in San Francisco, and the world in San Francisco that he's living in is like very heavily surveilled. There's, you know, cameras everywhere. The school that he goes to like gives everyone laptops, and there's surveillance all over it and stuff like that. And so he knows how to hack into computers, how to break down computers to be able to bypass all of this stuff and be able to basically outwit all of these security systems. One day, uh, he finds out that there's like this game that he's a part of there, a new clue has been released. So he convinces one of his friends to basically ditch school that day and to head out to downtown San Francisco to be a part of this game. However, when this happens, or when they get into downtown, there is a terrorist attack on San Francisco. Their friend gets injured. And so Marcus basically like waves down what he thinks is a cop car in order to try to get help for his friend, because obviously like there's chaos everywhere. There was just a major terrorist attack. So no one's really like paying attention to them. Um, So he like waves down a car. But unfortunately, instead of like getting help, they actually end up getting arrested and they are detained by the Department of Homeland Security because they have like all this stuff on them. That's specifically like computer hackery things. So basically, the Department of Homeland Security detains them and interrogates them for a couple of days because they think that they're behind or connected to the terrorist attack that just occurred. Eventually, the DHS releases them. However, the friend is still inside, the one that was injured is still stuck inside, and they don't know how to like get to him, what to do, anything like that. 
the city is basically like locked down and under like very heavy surveillance and like police ordinances and all this stuff so like basically everyone is treated as like a potential terrorist like there are traffic stops everywhere all this stuff and so marcus is like super pissed off and basically decides that he wants to try to take down the department of homeland security himself so uh i have so many thoughts and opinions about this book so i'm going to try really hard not to ramble too hard uh but One of the things that like blew my mind about this book was that it is written in 2008. And reading this book and recognizing when it was written and recognizing the world that we live in now is like super wild because obviously like we've already started to have some level of like security issues and stuff like that and like terrorists, cyber terrorists and things along those lines. But like this book feels like it was so ahead of its time. And there's so much that you read about in this book that just feels like common knowledge or common sense or like really realistic. Like there's very little about this book that feels far-fetched anymore, so to speak. Like even the idea of the DHS apprehending children uh, is not that uncommon, unfortunately. So it feels almost as if like Cory Doctorow was ahead of his time even though it's like only a decade, but it's pretty wild how on point so many of the things that he talks about in this book, like match up with the way the world actually ended up evolving. Again, it is a young adult book. So there is like a part of this that feels very, it over explains a lot of things, mostly because like Cory Doctorow is writing this to like teenagers, and it feels especially like for young teenagers. And there's even I don't know if this is a new thing that was added, or if this was always a part of the book. But Uh, There was basically like a part at the end where Cory Doctorow talks about like, he wants kids and teenagers to be very aware of the internet and things like that. And the fact that like, you can learn how to like, be a safe citizen on the internet, how to protect yourself on the internet and things along those lines. And all of the stuff that's talked about in the book are like, actual hackery things that you can do in order to like protect your identity and to make sure that like we don't get to a heavily surveilled state and things along those lines. So like there's an aspect of it that is very like heavily explanatory uh, to the point where it might like, in my opinion, it bogged down the book a little bit in terms of plot. But like, it was like wild reading this book. The other thing that I have to mention, because I just have to. Uh, this, is, again, is following a 17-year-old boy. And so there's some of the stuff that he is written in here about women is not great. Uh, so just a heads up for that if you end up picking up this book. It's one of those things where I'm just like, well, I mean, he's a 17-year-old boy. So like 17-year-old boys are not necessarily going to be very wise. But also at the same time, we shouldn't be making excuses uh, for guys having terrible thoughts and opinions about women. But, you know, that's a 2020 thought and not a 2008 thought I probably would have had. So, yeah, just I just like to give people that heads up. So overall, I enjoyed this book a lot. It definitely like kept me on the edge of my seat. I wanted to know like how this was all going to resolve because like listening to that plot synopsis of the 17 year old boy wants to take down the DHS sounds completely out there and super wild. But at the same time, while you're like reading or listening to the book, because that seems so far fetched. You also have no idea how it's going to end and if it's he's going to have it. So Marcus does take down the DHS. You kind of want to know, like, how is that going to even work out if it does work out? 
So yeah, I I was sort of like on the edge of my seat with this one where I was just like, I need to know how this is going to end. And the way that like technology is utilized in here, again, it doesn't feel very far-fetched anymore. So kind of reading it with a 2020 lens is really, really wild. So Again, that book is called Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. This is actually the first book in a series. I think there's only two books out, but he came out with, I think, a second book that focuses on more of like a WikiLeaks, I think, type of angle. I haven't read that one, though, but there are like more than one book out there in case anyone ends up picking this one up and really enjoys it. Yeah, you basically just said everything that was floating through my head when I read the book. And I read it, I'd have to go back through my Goodreads and double check when I read it, but I think it was definitely a few years ago. I believe it was post-2016. So that's, to me, is just kind of like the dividing line. That, that for me, was like the first real before and after times kind of thing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but I was struck at the time, even, you know, a few years ago going, holy cow, like, when this book was written, this was probably, you know, made to feel very far-fetched that this would even happen. But reading it at that time was going, oh, this doesn't feel like it's out there at all. Like, it's it's kind of terrifying, actually, how how many aspects of that, of that book felt like they could have just been pulled from a post-2016 news article. And so, yeah, I definitely echo that. I don't remember specifically the thing you mentioned about the not-so-great you know, thoughts and comments about women. But again, I was reading that a few years ago, may not have picked up on that as much as I would nowadays. But I also remember it being a very page turnery, like on the edge of your seat, especially as you get towards the end of the book. But yeah, that that book, that book is bonkers. And reading it, yeah, reading it nowadays, it's a very page turnery book. It may be a little overwhelming, just given everything that is happening in the world right now. But yeah, that that book was bonkers. All right. And then I have gone in a very different direction with my tech social media book pick. But before I jump into that, I do have our second sponsor, which is the audiobook version of Shadows in Death by J.D. Robb. And this is the 51st book in the Lieutenant Eve Dallas series. And Eve examines, she comes across a fresh body in Washington Square Park, and her husband, Rourke, spots a man among the onlookers he's known since his younger days on the streets of Dublin. A man who claims to be his half-brother, a man who kills for a living, and who burns with hatred for him. Eve is quick to suspect that the victim's spouse, resentful over his wife's affair and poised to inherit her fortune, would have happily paid an assassin to do his dirty work. And Rourke is just as quick to warn her that if Lorcan Cobb is the hitman, she needs to be careful. Law enforcement agencies worldwide have pursued this cold-hearted killer for years to no avail. And his lazy smirk when he looked Rourke's way indicates that he will target anyone who matters to Rourke and is confident he'll get away with it. Eve is desperate to protect Rourke. Rourke is desperate to protect Eve. And together, they're determined to find Cobb before he finds them. Even if it takes him across the Atlantic, far outside Eve's usual jurisdiction. So this audiobook, like I said, is the 51st book in the best-selling In-Death series featuring Lieutenant Eve Dallas. J.D. Robb is the pseudonym for mega best-selling author Nora Roberts. This is a slightly futuristic police procedural series that is just mega popular with readers all over the world. The audiobook is read by longtime series narrator Susan Erickson, 
So if you're looking for an audiobook that you just know is going to grab you right off the bat, this would probably be an excellent pick. So again, that is Shadows in Death by J.D. Robb, read by Susan Erickson, and we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so yeah, for my pick, I went with a much more social media version. So like, you went hard hacker, I went social media. So I, I think that that's cool that we get both ends of the spectrum. So the book that I read, and I'm pretty sure I have mentioned it on the show previously, but it's been a while since I mentioned it. So this book is called Reconstructing Amelia by Kimberly McCrate. It came out in 2013. And I remember reading this book because it was really soon after I read Gone Girl for the first time, right when the female-driven psychological suspense genre was really starting to pick up steam. And I just remember reading this book and just being blown away by it. This book is compared to, like, if you cross Tana French with Jodi Picoult, and it's a really, really good book. So the story starts off with Kate Barron, who is a lawyer, she's a single mother, and she gets a call from her 15-year-old daughter's private school saying that her daughter has been caught cheating. And so she's been been suspended, and Kate needs to come pick her up from school. But when Kate arrives at the school, Grace Hall, she is blindsided by for, far more devastating news that Amelia is dead. So apparently, they believe Amelia jumped from the roof of the school. And, well, that's what the school is saying, that's what the police are saying, that's what Kate believes. And then time goes by, and then all of a sudden, she gets a text message from an anonymous number that says, Amelia didn't jump. And so now Kate is trying to put together what happened to her daughter. And she does this by going through Amelia's emails, text messages, Facebook posts to basically reconstruct the person who Amelia was. And she finds out that there's so much about her daughter that she did not know about. And so she, this is one of those books where the story is told piecemeal and it's told through the different text messages and the emails. It's told by alternating between past and present points of view. It takes so many pieces and then just skillfully puts them together as the story goes on and you just build this bigger understanding of what it is that actually happened. I just love books like this that can do that well. I think other books that we've talked about on the show that have done that well, Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, I think did such a good job of just building that, that story until you get to the end. And even like, you don't even have, you don't even know the whole story until that final piece is put into place. And you're like, oh my gosh, this book does that so well. And it's told with a lot of heart. It's not one of those, it's not a psychological suspense novel where like, you know, there's, there's clearly like, you know, an evil plan or like, it's not one of the, the suspense doesn't come from knowing like there's evil out there. The suspense just comes from not knowing what the full story is and then just seeing it pieced together. What I really like about this as well is that because it focuses on a high school age girl so much of high schooler lives, high schoolers' lives, especially nowadays, are told through the emails and the Facebook and text messages and stuff like that. 
And that's that's where they live so much of their lives. That's where they have so many of these important relationships. And it's really interesting, like, how much information you can get from what, you know, just a couple lines of text. You can really start to put together what's going on, all of the nuances of these relationships. It really puts you in the world of this 15-year-old high school girl in this prestigious boarding school setting. And it just it just really puts you in that place. It's just done so well. The characters are so interesting. It's so compelling. And yeah, it's one of those books that you have to keep reading till the end because just the way that the author really lays those puzzle pieces out. And yeah, I just, I loved this book so much. And like I said, I read it for the first time yeah, I think it was published in 2013, and I think I read it shortly after it was published. I remember pulling it from my library's new shelf and going, because I think it compared it to Gone Girl on the cover. And so at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, Gone Girl, I'll read anything that's compared to Gone Girl. And it it just totally blew me away. And it's also interesting that, or just thinking about how much technology has changed over the last seven years, because like, you know, one of the things like Sift... She goes through Amelia's emails. Not many teenagers nowadays use email as a primary form of communication. So that is something to keep in mind if you do pick up this book. Some The technology just evolves so quickly that some of it is going to be a little outdated. Like, I'm thinking about, like, nowadays, if you told a story kind of with a similar a similar framework, it would be, like, you're going through the teenagers' Snapchats, going through their TikTok videos, like whatever social media thing that's just now becoming super popular and I'm too old to know about. <laughs> that's I feel like I've hit I mean, I'm not old, but I feel like I've hit that age point where the where technology is is passing me by and I'm like, I barely even know what TikTok is. So um I'm I'm just thinking of like trying to read a book like that now and just being like, I have no idea what's going on here. Um but at any rate, this book, even though the technology may be a little outdated, I think the story is still you know, really, really universal and really timeless. And yeah, I just love this book to pieces. So again, that is Reconstructing Amelia by Kimberly McCrate. All right. And as always, uh, feel free to email us, tweet at us, whatever you like to do. And let us know if you have any mysteries or thrillers or suspense books or anything like that that have like a heavy technology or social media uh, angle to it. Obviously, like, the uh, big elephant in the room is like the girl with the dragon tattoo, which reading the original series is like quite a time capsule <laughs> of like early 2000s life. Uh, but I haven't like kept up with the series, but I'm sure that, you know, that continues on in the newer books that are coming out as well. But uh, if you have any others that you really, really enjoy, then definitely let us know. Now I'm waiting for there to be like a TikTok thriller. Oh, I am sure someone is trying to write something like that. <laughs> Yeah, and I well, I feel I feel like a parent. I'm just like I don't even know what a TikTok is. What are the what is this TikToking that the teens are doing nowadays? The only reason why I have any sense of it is because of like my niece. Like if I didn't have her in my life, I 100% would not. Un- I still don't even understand it. Um, but it's funny because everyone talks about like, oh, I'm in like this part of TikTok. Like there's like subgroups, like basically like fandom based or like interest based areas of TikTok. And I'm like, wow, this is this is wild. But I can't I I refuse. I'm like, I, I'm at the point now where I'm just like, it's okay. I'll I'm okay not knowing what this part of the world is like anymore. <laughs> 
I did hear that there was, I don't know if this is even still a thing, but in TikTok, I guess there was like a, a sub-sub genre of TikTok that was basically teens doing makeup tutorials while lip-syncing lines from John Mulaney's stand-up specials. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, that is the most niche thing I have ever heard, and yet that sounds so amazing. I have not yet looked that up. I could be misremembering that, but I'm pretty sure it was makeup tutorials and John Mulaney quotes. And I was like, well, why not? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's the internet. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, to jump into the new release section of the episode, uh, Kitty and I have each picked out two books that are coming out in the next couple of weeks. So very excited to uh, talk to you guys about these. Uh, So I'm going to start things off talking about One by One by Ruth Ware. This is out on September 8th. So it is out as you are listening to this episode. I have to admit that I haven't read any Ruth Ware books, which feels like a major misstep as someone who really enjoys mystery suspense books. But this one was like the one where I was just like, oh, I really feel like I have to read this book. So this book you are following a group of co-workers who basically get stuck at a ski chalet. So the co-founder of this company called Snoop, which is basically like a London-based tech startup, organizes this week-long trip for the team in the French Alps. And it basically starts off like any other corporate retreat. But then one of the shareholders ends up like basically bringing up this lucrative but really contentious buyout offer for the company and tensions start to build amongst the group. And while tensions are building within the group, there's also a storm brewing outside and there is a devastating avalanche that leaves the group cut off from access to the outside world. Also, one of the co-workers hasn't made it back from the slopes when the avalanche hit. So as each hour passes without any sign of rescue, panic is slowly mounting, the chalet grows colder, and the group dwindles further down one by one. So Ruth Ware has already gotten the comparison of being sort of like a modern Agatha Christie. I know that like all of her books kind of have kind of a different vibe to them. So they don't all have that fit to it. But this is one where I read it and I was like, oh, this 100% sounds like an Agatha Christie book. So that's mostly the reason why I wanted to read it so much. And also like we just did the episode based on uh, Locked Room Mysteries. And that's basically what this feels like as well. So again, that one is called One by One by Ruth Ware. And that one is already out. Yeah, and I will just say I, I have read a couple of Ruth Ware books. First off, the description of this book, I cannot think of a worse work trip than being forced to go skiing with a bunch of co-workers, first off. That just sounds like a nightmare to me right off the bat. It's funny because when I read this, I was like, oh, would this be worse or would Force of Nature by Jane Harper be worse? Like, which is the worst work trip? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I would do I well, I don't do well camping outdoors. I also would probably break both of my legs trying to ski. So no outdoor retreats for me for any kind of work related thing. Second of all, the description of this, my sleep deprived mind made a connection. There's an episode of Archer that's very simpler. The entire team gets stuck at a at a ski resort and there's an avalanche and there's a, there's an international hitman in the in the ski resort with them. I have a feeling her book is going to be much different. Though. I was going to say there's also a Simpsons episode kind of like this as well, but I have a feeling it will be nothing like the Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay, I'm moving on to to our next book, which is The Sleeping Nymph by Ilaria Tutti, translated by Ikin Oklop. 
and this book is also out today on September 8th. And this is the follow-up to the book Flowers Over the Inferno, which came out a couple of years ago and was translated it's translated from the Italian and it features Superintendent Teresa Battaglia, who is a criminal profiler who's had four decades of experience on the Italian police force. And she gets pulled into this cold case. It's a decades-old murder investigation that's landed on her desk. And new DNA analysis has revealed that a painting from the final days of World War II contains matter from a human heart, which also to me sounds like the synopsis of an episode of Hannibal. <laughs> but... At any rate, Teresa is able to trace the evidence to Valricia, which is one of Italy's most isolated, untouched regions. But when her investigation hits too close to the truth, a fresh human heart is hung at the valley's entrance, a warning not to cross its threshold. As she hunts a ruthless killer, Teresa must face down her own rapidly deteriorating physical and cognitive abilities, as well as someone she hoped never to see again, a man who has just become her supervisor. So if you are interested in mysteries with Older female protagonists, I know we've had listeners who have mentioned that that's something that they're interested in if you're looking for more books in translation. If you really like Flowers Over the Inferno and are wondering when's the next book coming out, well, it is here. So again, this book is called The Sleeping Nymph by Ilaria Tutti, and it's translated from the Italian by Ekin Oklop. All right, my next pick is Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson, and this one comes out on September 16th. So this book is kind of like a rip from the headlines based on true life book. It is based on kind of the story around R. Kelly and the horrific things that he has done over the course of his career. Um, so this story is following R&B artist Corey Fields who spots Enchanted Jones at an audition and her dreams of becoming a famous singer start to take flight until Enchanted wakes up with blood on her hands and zero memory of the previous night and Corey Fields is now dead. But before there was a dead body, Enchanted's dreams had turned into a nightmare because behind Corey's charm and star power was a controlling dark side. Now he's dead, the police are at the door, and all signs point to Enchanted. Um, so I haven't read this book yet, but based on what I've seen, this book is very heavy and deals with a significant number of difficult topics. So content warnings for things like rape, abuse of all kinds, physical, mental, emotional, child endangerment, drug use, sexual assault, mental health, discussions of suicide, things along those lines. So this book is going to be very, very heavy. So just be aware of that. Um, and like I said earlier, it's based on basically all of the accusations, I suppose you sh I should say, uh, that have been given towards R. Kelly of him basically kidnapping, containing, you know, entrapping all of these different young women over the course of his career. A lot of them were underage when he was in relationships with them and all of this different stuff. And so this is basically trying to tell the story of these young women, but also like adding a different spin to it as well. So I've heard really, really amazing things about this book. Um, Tiffany D. Jackson has written a number of really fantastic uh, young adult books, and some of which have been in the mystery suspense world. So again, Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson is out on September 16th. Yeah, I will definitely be picking that one up because I remember reading Allegedly. And that, oh my god, that book just that was such a gut punch. So I know that this book is going to be 
just as, if not more so. Just so intense. So, all right. And then I have our final pick, which is Don't Look For Me by Wendy Walker, which is out on September 16th. One night, Molly Clark walked away from her life. She doesn't want to be found, or at least that's the story. The car abandoned miles from home, the note found at a nearby hotel, the shattered family that couldn't be put back together. They called it a walkaway. It happens all the time. Women disappear, desperate to leave their lives behind and start over. But is that really what happened to Molly Clark? So, I mean, that pretty much just sums it all up. Psychological suspense. We think that this is what happened to this woman that she apparently just got up and walked away from her life. But since we are the Mystery and Suspense podcast, we know, of course, that th that that is not all that happened here. So if you're looking for another psychological suspense novel to pick up, this one might be really interesting. So again, that is Don't Look For Me by Wendy Walker, and that is out on September 16th. Yeah, I have a copy of that one sitting on my shelf, and I'm, it sounds super intriguing. So I definitely want to check that one out. Awesome. All right. So in terms of what we're reading, I will run through mine quickly. And then Rincey, well, we can both talk about it. We both have, are going to be reading the same book pretty soon. So I'll, we'll, we'll use that as the segue. But um, just real quickly, I have actually been reading pretty well over the last couple of weeks. I'm excited. I've been like finishing books and picking up new ones. And it's it's been a nice change of pace. So I did finish the book that I talked about last time, Home Before Dark by Riley Sager, which again, he writes thrillers that are based around different horror movie tropes. And each one has a very definitive like feel to it. It takes after a particular horror movie. So Home Before Dark has a very Amityville horror slash Haunting of Hill House, the TV version. The version that was on Netflix has very much got that feel to it. The, there's a family that they buy this really big old house, and then just a few weeks after they buy the house and start renovating it, they flee in the middle of the night, leave all their possessions behind, and then they are dealing with you know, everything that happened for years afterwards. And the main character is, she's struggling with what happened. Her dad wrote a book about everything that had happened in the house. He said the house was haunted. The book became this nonfiction bestseller. It really ruined the family's reputations in that town. It really altered her relationships with her parents. And her dad has died and left her the house because he was still in ownership of it, which she did not realize. And so now she's gone back to the house to face her, her metaphorical and her possibly literal demons in the house. And I'll leave the description there. This book is everything that I have come to love from Riley Sager. It's fast paced. It's creepy. Like I was in the middle of reading this book and I like I was reading it before bed and I was like, oh, I got to get up and turn lights off. And I'm a little creeped out right now. And for me to say that, that's saying something. And yeah, it was just such a fun, like a horror movie popcorn book. I just I loved it so much. It had you know, I knew that there was going to be a twist. And yeah, I w even I was surprised by the ending of this book. Again, coming from me, I feel like that's saying something. So I just I had such so much fun with this one. So again, that's Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. And then in terms of what I'm starting, I just downloaded the 
audiobook version of My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell, which was in the news a lot at the beginning of this year in the in the before times. There was there was a lot of controversy over this book. There was an author who said that she had published a memoir that talks about a lot of the same material as this fictional book did, and she felt like that she felt like the her work had been plagiarized, or that you know she felt like you know why does this person get a six you know a six figure deal for this book when I couldn't sell my own story because this other author was an author of color, and there was a lot of discussion about what books get published and which didn't. So I decided that you know I keep hearing about this book and I and I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and read it because from just from what I had been able to read about a lot of stuff it doesn't sound like the author at all plagiarized from this particular author but it does bring up I think it does bring up a lot of questions about who the publishing industry really puts their money and their weight behind but the basic story is that. The main character, Vanessa, when she was 15 years old at boarding school, she formed a an intense physical and romantic relationship with one of her teachers. And at the time, she always believed that it was a consensual relationship. But then, like, over 15 years later, she starts to think back on her time and realize, oh, maybe this wasn't what I thought it was. And it's a lot of just kind of reconstructing what you thought happened versus what actually did and questions of power in relationships and how that can be used very negatively. There's, you know, trigger warnings for consent and those kinds of inappropriate relationships between adults and children. Um, So it is a very dark or very heavy book, I should say. I'm not super far into it, maybe almost a couple of hours into the audiobook version. It is very compelling. Like, it's definitely an audiobook I'm having no problems finding time to listen to. And it's very, it is very compelling. So I'm, I'm excited to keep reading, to keep listening to it. And then, Rincey, I'll let you pick up. So we both ended up uh, getting copies one way or the other of when no one is watching by Alyssa Cole, which just came out like a week ago. And I am so excited to read this book. Yeah, I actually picked up the audiobook version of this mostly because I was on I'm on hold for it at the library. I think I'm still on hold for it at the library. But then I was on Scribd and I saw that they had the audiobook version. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm listening to now. So I'm only like a handful of chapters into the book. And if you aren't aware this story takes place in Brooklyn, and you are following this character named Sydney Green, whose life is basically a mess. At the beginning of the story, you don't really know like what is going on, but it's one of those books where you're just like, something's off here. Um, and the story is basically a suspense book about gentrification. So Sydney is black. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, and like every time she looks around, basically someone has sold their home and moved out, and there is a white couple or family moving in who does not care at all for the way that the neighborhood exists. She ends up basically like taking this neighborhood tour and she realizes that like the tour guide basically only talks about the really old, like old as in lived there in like the 1800s or something like that, white people who lived in the neighborhood and refuses to acknowledge like any of the black people who have or currently live in the neighborhood who are also like big deals for various reasons. And so she decides that she's going to start her own historical tour of her neighborhood. 
And yeah, that's basically like how the story starts. And the synopsis basically gives you the fact that the reason why people are moving out might be slightly more nefarious than what originally seems like it might be more than just they're getting really big payouts for their homes. So like I said, I'm listening to this on audiobook. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is like spiking my anxiety. (laughs) I like listened to this while I was going for a walk the other day. And I'm not even joking. I was like side eyeing every single person who was walking near me because I was getting really paranoid. Um, The the synopsis or sort of like the pitch for this book is being given as like rear window meets get out, which is like very accurate, at least so far. So yeah, I'm really enjoying that experience, but also kind of hating it because it's making me very paranoid as I walk around outside. Um, And then the other book that I'm currently reading, I'll just like transition to the other book I'm currently reading is called The Golden Thread. This is a nonfiction true crime book, basically. The story is about basically this UN Secretary General who died back in the 1960s. And it's basically a giant mystery as to like what exactly happened. Basically, he like boarded a plane one day in the Congo. And then hours later, he was found dead in the African jungle. And like no one knows what exactly happened. Uh, So this is a thing that like, I think if you're like a big Cold War buff type of person, you may already know about but as someone who is not uh, I had no idea about but like this entire thing just sounds super wild Uh, I again just started this book as well but basically like this guy whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because it's very very Swedish (laughs) so there's no way I'm going to get this right Um, but this UN Secretary General was basically known for just wanting to always do like what he thought was the right thing which meant that like a lot of people did not like him including like the KGB and the Soviets but also like underground militant groups in the Congo business people he might have even been on like the bad side of the CIA maybe um and so the author of this book is a New York Times journalist and he basically puts together uh what so far has been like a really deep dive into this time period and this history and what is going on in the world. Uh, So if you are someone who enjoys sort of like espionage books, spy thrillers, general dad books, I definitely (laughs) recommend this one for you. Or maybe you need to buy a book for your dad. This would probably be a good one. All right. And then finally, uh, the final book I'll talk about really quickly because we're running long here uh, is The Parker Inheritance by Varian Johnson. This is another middle grade mystery book that I picked up for the last episode that we did, but I didn't get around to reading it. Um, I just want to say this book was freaking fantastic. As someone who doesn't read a lot of middle grade books, I have to say that this book felt very adult for being a middle grade book. Uh, You are following this character in like the modern timeline, this character named Candace who her and her mom go to her grandmother's house. Her grandmother recently passed away and they're spending the summer there in South Carolina. And Candace goes into her grandmother's attic and finds this letter that basically details this inheritance that was apparently left in the city that is hidden somewhere. And you have to basically solve this puzzle in order to find the inheritance. And the grandmother was a city manager and she really believed that this was a real thing and tried to find this inheritance, but ended up like basically digging up a public park and getting like shamed and fired. This family was also is also black. So that also has something to do with it. Um, And so now Candace, along with a friend that she makes while at her grandmother's house over the summer, decides to basically take up the mantle and try to solve this puzzle. 
But there's also like flashback scenes to about like the 1950s, I want to say, and the same town because the person who left this inheritance lived in the town. And I won't say more than that. But this book was amazing. I've seen a couple of people on Goodreads talk about the fact that like this book might be like a little bit above the average reading level for a middle schooler. So just be aware if you are planning on like giving this to a middle school kid or like reading this with your middle grade kid. There are some aspects of it that even to me like felt very much more like a young adult book, not in terms of like content, but mostly just like the way that it's structured. It's slightly more complex, but as an adult reading it, I thought it was fantastic. So if you are looking for more middle grade books, The Parker Inheritance by Varian Johnson is freaking fantastic. And that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen, and we'll have links to all of the news articles that we talked about at the top of the episode, as well as all of the books that we mentioned here today. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and discover us. And if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at redderdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincey A. And I'm on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.